Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. We are live in New York City at the HIP Global 2023 conference. That's the Hybrid Identity Protection Conference. I presented yesterday on identity as the core of zero trust. And with me today is a special guest who is presenting today on nowhere left to hide. My special guest, just for those who've never heard of him, I'm kidding, it's Chris Roberts. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It is amazing, isn't it, that we that we always tend to catch up at conferences. It doesn't matter where it is. You know, we're hanging out down in oh, it was Dallas, wasn't it, last time we were on, we were well, on together? Well, in Vegas. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yep. true. Yeah, that was – yeah, it's always conferences. It's, I, I, this, I think that's what I love about conferences. You, It's terrible. You know, when you start off in a career, the conference is something to go to to learn much more about our industry and about people and everything else. And the old, I swear the older, I was going to say the wiser we get, but definitely the older we get, conferences tend to then be about family and friends and catching up. You still learn, but you tend to, you tend to select the audience a little bit more, Yeah, absolutely. Say. Absolutely. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's a friend of mine was like, are you having fun at your conference? I'm like, yes, I am. But every conference is a working event for me. I'm either recording or I'm doing paid speaking or I'm there on a part of an advising role or I'm there on a CISO role. Like <laughs> conferences yeah. are always work for me, but I still have fun. So your topic at HIP Global is really interesting to me. You called it Nowhere Left to Hide, and I thought we could sort of deconstruct your presentation for those who couldn't make the conference, and you can tell me kind of what that's about. Yeah, I did. It was kind of fun because obviously it's high, you know, it, it's hybrid identity protection. And when we start looking at identities, we make the assumption we know who the human is. We make we 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 unfortunately from and, and and this really hit home yesterday. We were walking from the conference out to the uh, I think it was like the after dinner drinks and snacks and whatever. And I remember walking along the road, and there was a lady that had been handed a phone, not from the conference, but somebody on the street that was handed a phone by some friends of hers to take a picture. And as we walked by, I'm looking at the camera. She's got the camera the wrong completely the wrong way around. It's an iPhone camera. You can tell the back of it. And she's like, I can't see, it doesn't work. And so we make all these assumptions with technology and with systems that we can identify the right thing and the right person, the right people, that the technology is going to work, that people know how to use the technology. And that's great for us in our industry. And that's great for those that are around us because we can teach them. But there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. And believe me, probably well over half to three quarters of them have no clue how this works. So you end up with this very, very vulnerable population who we really don't understand how they work with technology. Now you take a step back and you look at it from an adversarial and an attacker's perspective, they can take over those systems way too easily. We do it, we see it. That's why we unfortunately have that vulnerable population. So when you see grandma's computer attacking your corporate environment, it isn't Probably the grandma's having a bad day and she just wants to denial the service your entire environment. Might be because, you know, a lot of companies deserve it. But it's quite possibly that somebody has gotten in, has taken over, exactly, and is using that machine as part of a network to take over. So going back and attacking grandma as, you know, because there are so many lawmakers and there are so many people, unfortunately, on Capitol Hill who are like, oh, we need to attack back. We need to defend our territory, you know, typical typical way of thinking. 
like you're going to beat up on the wrong people. And so it's like, how do we change that? How do we actually effectively identify right person, right seat, right keyboard, right motives? And if we do it right, there is nowhere left to hide. If we actually use technology effectively, we use it efficiently, and we use all the tools that are disposable, there's a huge argument that we can actually do this. But before we do that, we actually have to recognize, you start breaking it down as to what's the human challenge? Uh, and the human challenge is, as humans, we're always going to click on something. We as an industry keep sending out technology going, hey, it's your, it's your monthly or annual training. Click here to continue. We are naturally like vulnerable to curiosity, to greed, to desire, to all these things that the bad guys know how to exploit. I don't think it's ever going away, people clicking on things, ever. No, absolutely. So then you're like, okay, I can educate people to think before they click but they're still gonna click. So what's that next layer? So do I, is it a human challenge? And you know, the answer to some degree is yes, it is a human challenge, but it's also a technology challenge. Because now, not only do I have to defend the computer, but if we look at you know, the cabin in the woods is, is kind of one of those fun slides in there. It's because we, we all love to think that we can get away from off, off the grid completely, the fantasy of getting off the grid. <laughs> right, which is great until you realize, I actually found this one sitting up on uh, Zillow, and it was it was fantastic, because I'm like, yep, that sums it. It was just gorgeous cabin in right. the woods. As isolated as can be. Yeah, and then you turn around, and you start looking at the Zillow post. Already set tells with Starlink. <laughs> Smart system installed, you know, and it's like, you know, as you walk up to this cabin in the woods, your iPhone goes, hi, would you like to connect to the Nest system to control the temperature of your favorite cabin in the woods? And you're like, yeah, and we're sunk at this point, you know, and, and so you take a look at that and you're like, all right, so now, now I, I took a step back on this one. It's going to be interesting. We've all been there, and, and I got a little spicy online last night. You and I have a, a number, a, quite a number of mutual friends, and, and I have that protective streak and that protective nature in me. And um, unfortunately, one of them has had a run-in with somebody in our industry, and, and my protective streak comes oh, out. And my protective streak, yeah. My protective streak is very, very simple. It's like, I'm going to find you, and, and I'm going to use a set of rusty shears on you, and, and then we're done. And that's great in theory. In my mind, you know, that big chest beating thing turns up. But in reality, it sucks because the ability to actually get away with something is nigh on impossible. I mean, you think about it. If, if, the ca if the phone that I have isn't tracking me and the car that I use to go have a conversation with this individual isn't tracking me and the cameras that I've had to see along the road that I'm driving and the traffic system and... You start piling all this up, and, and you suddenly realize the ability, very bluntly, to dispose of a dead body anymore is drastically reduced. It doesn't matter if you live in the middle of nowhere. There was always this, I always remember having lived in the Midwest a, a number of times. There was, there was a very simple phrase. It was basically, shoot, shovel, and silence. And I loved it. It was beautiful. It was perfect. And it, and it surmised kind of how I felt a few times. But you can't get away with that. Not at all. Not at all. Even even if you think to leave your phone and your smartwatch and your other stuff at home, you've probably got, you know, whatever that, that OnStar system is in your car or whatever. Yeah. You're crossing a red light with a camera. Like, guaranteed, somebody somehow somewhere is going to spot you. Oh, and that, I've got embedded technology in my body that I have to wear these days that I know is tracking me. And I don't, I actually haven't taken this to pieces to know how effectively it would track through a GPS system or what's in the sky, or who sees you, or, I mean, the fact that everybody else is wandering around with connected technology. So even if you 
aren't directly influencing somebody else has got a phone somebody's taking a night sky picture and you're in the background with a shovel you know and, and a thousand and one other things so i'm like all right there is an argument to say there's absolutely no hiding and and i i kind of want to slam the point home because years and years ago uh, i was involved in some projects inside some interesting buildings and we started looking at how we could listen to people you know, we all talk about dropping bugging devices and everything else in, but if you look around and you look at everything that's around us, there is a lot of glass and there are a lot of things that resonate with the voices that we're using. And so you can listen to those devices and you can you can actually listen in on them several different ways. There are electro there's basically something called lamp phone. So for anybody that's listening, both a lamp phone and uh, glass and light vibrations can be picked up with either laser or electrical sensors. So this conversation we're having, we have this amazing technology in front of us, but we are also surrounded by you know, probably 50 to 100 light bulbs. Listening in on those light bulbs gave us the ability to listen in relatively well on the conversation. Well, now you fast forward technology and you're like, holy smoke, now, now we have all these blasted internet of things, light bulbs, everything's connected and it's all got a bit of technology. So I'm like, all right, it's connected via Bluetooth and Zigbee and, and Z-Wave and all sorts of smart things and all sorts of platforms. And we connect this willingly throughout our house. Can I take advantage of this? Well, that was the thing. And, and so I, you know, it, it, was, it was the whole let's, let's explore. So like any good hacker, we take things to pieces and we find out how things work. So this was part of the research, and there's a number of us that have done the research on this one, and we took them to pieces and started building wiring diagrams and came to the realization that for all the 8 to 10 billion light bulbs out there, of which about half of them are smart light bulbs, they all use some very common platforms. As a light bulb manufacturer, if you buy a light bulb that has the ability to listen into like Alexa or Google or Siri, versus you buy just a half an intelligent one, they use the same processing boards and other things, different firmware. But if I manage to manipulate the firmware and I manage to change some ones to zeros, all of a sudden I can turn the dumb light bulb into a smart light bulb, and then all I have to do is basically get into the thing, upload my software into their not-so-secure, vulnerable-ish SFTP server that's sitting on a third party of a third party supplier's server, upload my own encryption key, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting on four billion light bulbs listening into any conversation. I love it. I mean, it yeah. terrifies me, but I love it. Yeah. So that was the whole thing. And it was very much a case of, you know, we, we, we have, I wouldn't say lost the ability to listen in on old technology, but the, the proliferation of new technology has given us so many more ways to basically not give anybody... Sure, I, I remember a good 10, 15 years ago hearing about the laser on the window glass, right? Yeah. And thinking, okay, yeah. that works. You can actually pick up the sound. Okay, cool, smart, clever, but what a pain in the butt to set up. You have to be directly opposite. You have to find a room in the other skyscraper, da-da-da-da-da. And now we have light bulbs that vibrate when we talk, and we can just tap those directly. And to your point, we're literally sitting underneath 50 of them right now. Right, exactly. Not only can I listen to you, I've got you in full stereo. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, a little scary, a little easy to do. And, and to your point as well, those suckers are already connected. You don't even have to worry about the connection piece. With the laser, you got to wire something up yourself. With the light bulbs, you're just tapping into the existing, you know, Philips smart bulb, you know, network or whatever the heck it might be given given any given light bulb. That's a... Uh, it's terrifying, and, and and to think about 
you could go into an environment and swap the bulbs very quickly and easily too, right? I mean, this is common, you know, physical spycraft stuff is always done, right? I've been in my hotel room in Russia and know for a fact they took my thankfully burner laptop out of my safe and examined it and, you know, um, but yeah. running into my hotel room and swapping out light bulbs, that's not one I'm checking for. Well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I know we have go banks. So whenever any of our leadership or anybody who we care, most people we care about, but anybody we care about goes into a foreign country, we'll send them with a go bag. So it's our marked cables, it's our USB drives, it's our power supplies and, and a bunch of other things. We'll send them in. And we also send them in with counterintelligence stuff. So they're looking for mics and stuff. But to your point, I'm not going to put in the go bags 20 different bloody light bulbs for them to put into them. I mean, it, just, it, it isn't going to happen. And so all of a sudden you realize, okay, I've, I've, I haven't stopped the risk. I've reduced the probability of an exploit. But if somebody really wants to get to something, they're going to get to it. And I think that's the other thing in our industry is, you know, we keep saying, I can protect, I can detect, I can do all these other wonderful things. Whereas for the most part, all I'm able to do is just is make it harder, make it more complicated, and, and try to actually limit the ability for anybody to extract data or systems I, from, from, from my right, network, should we right. say. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, it but it, it, I, I hate when we have these conversations and, and come to that conclusion because, you know, one of the tropes I hate is it's not a matter of uh, if but when. I can't stand yeah. that idea that the bad guys are always going to win or always going to crack us or always going to hack us or always going to do the bad thing. I hate that idea. Um, but this is one of those moments where that does just feel inevitable. How can I possibly, if somebody wants to bug me and hear mm -hmm. me, Yep. I can't possibly defend against every one of these attack surfaces. If light bulbs are in play, I'm 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 screwed. Well, and that's the thing, and that's I think that's where it's like it's that dose of reality time. It's like, and that's where the whole talk is like there is nowhere left to hide. Now it's a case of going, okay, what do I care about this conversation? Have at it, enjoy yourself. It's going on the internet at some point anyway. Exactly, but if we are having a conversation, let's say from Boom's standpoint, if we're having a conversation about wing in, wings or inlets or all sorts of other stuff, then it's a case of trying to help the human look around and go, hmm, situational awareness, things we learned many, many years ago is, hey, maybe I find a different room. Maybe I find a room with no windows. Maybe I find a room with no connectivity. Or how do I limit my exposure? And so back to that whole, you know, we do it. We're, we're in New York. There are roads that I'm happy to walk down open-handed, and there are roads I'm going to walk down with a clenched right, fist. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I grew up not only in Texas, but downtown Houston. Um, yeah, I know, I know the drill. There's a yeah. certain, you know, it's funny, and we're here in NYC, and I was laughing with a friend of mine that those old instincts all come back very quickly. I'm on much more vigilant alertness just walking down the sidewalk in downtown New York than I am, yeah. um, you know, walking at home in, uh, in the suburbs in Dallas, right? Like, there's a hypervigilance component that kicks in. Let's pause right there to hear a brief word from Seraphic Security. Seraphic helps you defend your digital workplace with security and DLP for every browser and essential desktop apps like Microsoft Teams, Slack, Asana, and Notion. Protect against compromise and prevent data loss via the web with Seraphic. Learn more at seraphicsecurity.com. Well, and so his, that's where it gets interesting because that's this world. That's the physical world that we see, smell, New York. We breathe and we live. But then you walk into this digital realm and in, some, in a lot of cases, those bar we drop those barriers. Even those, of us, I mean, even those of us in the industry, those barriers tend to go down. We don't necessarily always think about it in the same visceral way that you think about it as you walk right. down the road. But, but that, that switch, that pivot to alertness and awareness, that's what we need to train in. It's not don't click. 
It's yeah, be aware. Yeah. Exactly. And that's it. I mean, back to the original point. It's like, as humans, we're always going to click on something. I mean, it's life. It's how we do it. You have to operate that way. All I ever want people to do is to become a little bit more accountable for their own actions. And in doing so, it just means listening. So it means us as security professionals taking a step back and go, look, how do I get poor grandma to think a little bit more? What can I do? Because you're right. I, I hate the fact that somebody's always going to get in. It, it, it distresses the living heck out of me because I feel like I've failed. But it's also a game of chess with us basically sitting there with a computer. Great, I can, I can do a really good job on that one. With a thousand applications that people download and we don't know half of them and where they came from. With all the housing technology. So there's all these variables that we just we, we can't simply control or manage. Great, I can put something on the edge. I can put something on the perimeter. I can do all those little wonderful things. But that just still takes the probability down. So I'm like, all right. I have to and I must go back to the human and just go, hey, look, before you click or before you download, do me a favor, just think of these three or four things. And if you're not sure, do me a favor, go ask. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's called security awareness training, and yet it's not the awareness we tend to focus on. It's the rote drilling of don't click the thing that we tend to focus on. Security awareness training is a brilliant phrase. But the actual right. implementation in 99% of shops is what? Anti-phishing training, don't click the thing. You click the thing, you get the pop-up that says you shouldn't have clicked the thing. That's not awareness. No, that's, that's abuse. That, yes. I mean, that, that literally, I mean, it's you think about it. When, when that, we have animals. I mean, I carry, when I'm back in my neck of the woods, I have a handful of snacks. I, when if I want to educate and work with Milo or with any of the other dogs, it's a snack-based thing. It's a reward. It's like, hey... Get your ass over here. I need to have a hug. And, and Milo's like, hi, Dad. And I'm like, thank you. Here's your, here's you your little what? kibble for, for, it, the, for doing the thing. Yeah, yeah positive, positive reinforcement, not negative. Yeah, and so we, we don't tend to think that way. The other thing is, as well, again, working in the aviation industry, we use words like security. We don't use human words like safety. Right. You know, whereas in aviation, it's about safety. It's all about safety first. And same thing with engineering and manufacturing and stuff like that. In our industry, we've always talked about security, which is this whole abstract thing. If I talk to you about safety, instinctively as humans, we automatically go back 60,000 years. Same thing. When we walked out of that cave, the that first thing we did was look around. Exactly. Yeah. So now, I mean, that's had 60 plus, a couple of hundred thousand if you go back that far. We've had 60 or 80,000 years of having this drilled into us. Why don't we just, why don't we build off of that? We build some accountability in that. We change the language we use, and when we tap into that basic instinct of, of safety and self-preservation. Exactly. Yeah, you want to get it to the point where when a user receives a funny email, the hair on the back of their neck stands up. That's the goal. Right. Leverage those natural instincts, right? And this is why, you know, when I do do phishing testing, um, I don't, uh, I'm never punitive. I don't even focus on or report on the click rates. I report on the reporting rates. Who actually took the time to go, ooh, this might be fishy. I'm going to report it. Oh, look, I win the cookie. It's that I got my kibble. I got yeah. a thank you and a little praise moment. And now in a meeting, my CISO was bragging about how my department reported more fish than the other department. And I feel good and feel positive, not, oh, my goodness, now I'm sent to training. I've been punished. I, I love that. And it's I do something very, very similar uh, over at Boom. And it's I have a bunch of gift cards. Uh, stuck in my desk and it's the same thing I had a beautiful one I have a, a USB drive from years ago there was a company that put out USB drives and what it was is they had all the figures from like Warner Brothers and a bunch of others and I, I have my Snoopy USB drive and every now and again I put Snoopy out and I'll leave him on a desk or I'll leave him in the kitchen or I'll leave him somewhere 
because I want to see picks him up, record him picks him up, plugs him in. Exactly. I got this, and I, I, I did a whole post on some other stuff, and I have got it on somewhere else. I got this amazing note. I had I walked in one morning, and Snoopy was sitting on my desk with a post-it note that was not today. Nice. Exclamation mark, and then signed by uh, one of our one of our fantastic team. Not my team, but somebody in a completely different area. So, and he's like, I'm like, I flipping love you. That slide and that person ended up on the all hands for oh, the next yeah. month. I'm like, I just beautiful. Not today, mister. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, so how do we tap into some of that, that self-preservation? Like, let's call it safety. Let's call it self-protection, self-preservation. Let's not call it security. We want to reach out to people and get them to see cyber the same way they see the physical world, right? The same way you're alert in an alley that there might be a mugger, the same way when you're walking in downtown New York, you're on a little more alert with all those people around you than you are at home in the suburbs. Yeah. How do we translate that besides, you know, fishing training where we reward folks for, for being attentive? Like, what other techniques are there? How else can we drill this in? Because I love this mechanism. This is exactly what we want to tap. You want to work with human behavior, not against it. Always. Right, exactly. Always. So yeah. how else can we tap that? What other clever tricks can we come up with? I think it's I think it's a couple of things. In our industry itself, it's holding us more accountable. And it's holding us accountable to the human, not to compliance. And this is one of those things. To your point exactly, it, my, complainant, my compliance training is simply going, hey, once a year or once a quarter, I'm going to send out the training. I'm going to do so, go, check in the box. I'm done. But there's no accountability and there's no ownership of that. It's just I've put my tick in the box as opposed to sitting there and going, hey, all of these people that I have are mine. They're mine to protect. It's my family. Yeah, there you go. You know, this is, this is I mean, this basically, that one of the last slides that I have out there is, is a very simple statement. As an industry and as an individual inside this industry, especially as a CISO, I really have one job, and that's to protect. So we ourselves have to take a step back and go, hey, my job is to look after the very people that rely and trust on me, either internal to the organization, or you know this for the stuff you're doing. I hand over my data to you to process. Well, you have to look at that as going, I'm handing you my life. How are you going to be yeah. a good customer? It's, it's a stewardship mindset. It's exactly yeah. what's required on our part is stewardship. Um, yeah. and, and I think I think education and awareness need to focus on, and I hate to say it, it's almost a FUD proposition, but what you're trying to really instill in those who don't do what we do for a living is just the awareness that, you know what, in cyberspace, you can be mugged. You can yeah. be killed. You can yep. be kidnapped. All the yeah. same equivalent bad things are there in cyber, and, and we're here to help protect you from those things. Well, that as well. And unfortunately, as the digital space and the physical space converge more and more and more and more, all of a sudden the consequences in this digital space suddenly become much more aware in the physical. We've seen it, unfortunately, a couple of times where our healthcare system has been taken down and lives have been lost can happen with airlines, can happen with healthcare, and even even something as simple as back to that whole really keeping it human level. I'm thinking of just the online bullying that results in a suicide, right? Like, who, who were the online bullies? It could have been somebody who's deliberately trying to get someone to kill themselves. Like, it, it yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, yep. the, the translation from digital to physical is very real. Oh, it's huge. And especially when you start taking a look at kids. So you've got the, you the at-risk side of it. You've got all the kids who... Rightly or wrongly so, sometimes there's legit reasons, other times it's, it's a pacifier, a digital pacifier, are given digital devices at a very young age without any kind of awareness, training, understanding, maybe controls in place. Sometimes there, is, there are some parental controls, there are some responsible folks out there, which is good. 
but that still takes upkeep, maintenance, support, management, people knowing and understanding. So you've handed basically the entire planet's 8 billion people, of which there are some absolute muppets on the planet, to a top... Yeah, and gone, enjoy, good luck. <laughs> I, mean, I, I always screen very carefully with my kiddo what she does and what she doesn't do, and there was an online game that she was playing on her tablet. No keyboard, no ability to type or communicate other than, like, you know, and... and I was under the impression, after some research, that the game did not have a built-in chat feature. I found out about two weeks later that it did, in fact, have a chat feature. And fortunately, there was no creepy bad guys talking to her, thank God. But I saw a yeah. chat window pop up and somebody saying something. It was just some kid being silly. And then she pulled up the virtual keyboard and responded with something. And I was like, whoa, timeout. We're, we're done with that one. Um, I had no clue, you know, and, and, and I'm, you know, I do this for a living. I'm vigilant. I yeah. understand technology. Yeah. And I, I, I was completely under the impression this game had no way to communicate with the humans on the other side. And sure enough, it did. Um, yeah. Terrified me. Terrified me. Thank goodness nothing bad happened. But, you know, the vigilance is 24-7. Is it has to be. Yeah. Two and full weeks went by, and that was a risk window. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. And that, I mean, that's one of those things where, again, inside our own industry, we always talk about advocating for labeling. You know, we, we've had this conversation on and off for years. It's rough and it's hard to do, but there's, there's some credence and there's some call for something like that. In other words, hey, I'm about to download this game. Literally, what's the ingredients list? Who made it? Where was it made? And, and what's the risk rating? Are we looking at a PG thing? And here's what the risk is and all, or not. And so we don't have anything like that relying upon the parents to know and to understand and to ask the right questions and to think again which which is tough because again you've got thousands of apps who the heck is going to take the time to read every single one of those right. and, and on android especially like this one drives me bonkers i don't i don't mean to pick on any platform or any product or company but dear lord 99 percent of kid games are like i want to know the rest of what's going on in your network and like the permissions they ask for i'm like my, my kiddo comes to me every day with can I get this one? No. Can I get this one? No. Can I get this one? No. Right. Because 99% of them want to see information about other devices on my network. That's one of the permissions every one of these kid games asks for. Why? Hi, I need access to your photos and all of your contacts. Right. <laughs> You're a blasted game that I'm clicking right. on to basically take my brain off of the rest of the world. Why in Smeg's name do you need all my flipping? Right, right, right. There was a, um, in the early days of iPhone, there was a Compass app. That's all it was was a Compass wanted yep. full access to everything and the, and the footprint yep. of that app was like you know megs and megs and megs and i'm like what is going on here well it was uh one of the most prolific posts i ever did on linkedin was uh about one of the more infamous chat type products that are out there and i i actually mapped it out i took the whole thing to pieces on a on a test bed android it was actually android i did iphone as well deliberately so that i wasn't like bashing on either side and I reverse engineered the whole thing, had the code, took it to pieces, the whole lot. And there's actually, look, I mapped out everywhere this blasted thing used and all the permissions. And I had, you know, here's my basic snapshot. Here's how it's after installed. What are the deltas on all the files? The whole, I mean, I took this thing to pieces. And I remember posting it up there. And it's, it's, I mean, this thing's on billions of systems. And the amount of data and permissions that it just suddenly goes, oh, yeah, I'll take that. We're good. We're fine. And whether it goes to a foreign country or not, to some degree, is immaterial. It's just the fact that it has it, access and it collects anybody it. Anybody who's not in my intimate circle has access to my intimate information. Bottom line. That, yeah. that alone oh, should yeah. terrify Absolutely. me. And we're back to that Absolutely. awareness story. Uh, Facebook Messenger. 
Oh, do you know yeah, that one yeah, of the permissions yeah. it wants is even when it's not running, it wants your location. Yes. So if you haven't installed on your phone at all, your physical location on planet Earth is being tracked on a perpetual basis by Mark, Mike, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Now I do so on one. So absolutely with you. But here's the so I outside of the normal work I do, I do a whole bunch of stuff with uh, children at risk and human trafficking. I've used a couple of those types of apps deliberately to track down humans. And that is where, this is where it gets, it gets tough because I can use those apps to track the human down that I need to find to then right. point the Well, well the real statement it. to that is, just to your point, okay, so it's not a foreign government, it's just Facebook. But wait, that assumes Facebook's security is strong enough that it's not Chris Roberts tracking me. And that's right. the whole point of that, right? Like, like yeah. It's you're 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 not just trusting the entity with your data. You're trusting their security so that someone else doesn't also have your data, and yeah, and that's it, where the the trust circle is like I, that's too much. I don't trust anyone else's security. I can't. I mean, it, it's I've worked broken. too many places and seen too many things yeah. too many times to just go. Oh, I know Facebook has my interest at heart and is 100% secured against all bad guys tapping in and tracking my location by way of my Facebook app. Well, I mean, this this was the argument that I had against this other app. I'm like, you know, we're willingly handing this data over on 10 other applications. All a foreign government has to do is call up from a U.S. address and go, hi, I'd like to buy a fire hose feed of your data for, for this organization. And they'll just hand it over. So, you know, I don't have to break into all these blasted apps. I just subscribe to them. Right. I could, I could be the Chinese military intelligence posing as a nonprofit charity trying to save the kittens. Exactly. Oh, save the kittens want your data. Oh, save the kittens. Yeah. Click. Here's, here's done. all the data. I love saving kittens. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're back to identity. Interestingly enough, yep. we're back to identity because Absolutely. because even if we trust the identity of those with our data, can we trust that they are properly vetting all identities that want access to the data as well? Yep. Um, I won't say where, but at one point I worked at a company that manufactured technology products, and we had a sudden wave of hires from China. A bunch of engineers from China suddenly came to work in our shop. And we're talking about like 10 folks all at the same time. And and I had to go to the head of engineering and say, look, of those 10, I can guarantee at least one is is not actually who they say they are, does not have the PhD they claim, or maybe does, but but they're not, you know, it's, you know, I had to walk them through the whole story of how the Chinese government routinely steals intellectual property by planting individuals with, with, perfect glowing resumes that exactly meet the job description, even though it's all fabricated over there in China. And, you know, and, and it hadn't occurred to them that the people vector was something we should even look at. These are the same engineers who were like, do we have firewalls? Have we, have we geofenced? Have we blocked China, turned around and hired 10 Chinese nationals to come in and run their engineering? Yep. I, uh, we have similar, similar conversations inside Boom at the moment. It's um, very, very, very careful on how we do because we have people from all over the world. And it's like, how do I make sure that that core critical intellectual property stays where the heck it's meant to? There's challenges there. And once again, we're back to identity. Yep. Back to the right human on the right keyboard at the right place at the right time with the proper, shall we say, moral compass, maybe? I don't know. That's a tough one because if I'm a Chinese national, my job is to actually source right. that data. My moral so. compass is to, to benefit my society and my culture and my government, right? Yep. I, I see Absolutely. that as the right thing. So. Yeah, that's yeah. that's maybe not the right word, but you know, aligned interests is perhaps the there phrase. we go. There Those with aligned yeah. interests, right? Yes. Bless. Um, <laughs> so, listen, Chris Roberts, thank you so much for taking a break here during the uh, Hybrid Identity Protection Conference. Uh, recording with me once again, coming back on the show. I totally appreciate it. Uh, audience, I'll I'll, uh, 
I'll, I'll let you guys just uh, ponder everything that's been dropped here. Feel free to comment on LinkedIn. Feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn and, and ask questions. Or uh, if you want to follow Chris, uh, he's out there as well. He's always worth reading. Uh, that's it. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you, listeners. Absolutely honored. Thank you very, very much. Have a wonderful yeah, I'll day. I'll be good. Now.